Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. All right, everybody, welcome. Merry Christmas. Are you excited? You pumped up? Woo! You ought to be, man. It's it's Christmas. I'm excited. I was thinking as I was sitting here uh, just a little while ago, I was like, wow, we used to do three services. We were over in the old building. You know, we grew from one service to two services to three services. Like, man, I'm ready to do five. Let's just do it. Let's uh, let's pack it out, keep reaching more and more people. I look forward to the day uh, when we are going to add that next uh, third service. We keep uh, keep growing. But uh, it's good to be here tonight. Uh, Merry Christmas. Chris, Merry Christmas Eve. Many of you I know have a long long night ahead of you, don't you? So I'm going to do my very best uh, to cut to the chase and not make tonight last any longer than it has to. So here is the simple message of Christmas. You matter to God. You matter to God more than you think you do. God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. Regardless of your past, regardless of where you've been or what you've done, our God loves you, and he wants you to love him back. You know, that's really what we celebrate at Christmas. Christmas is about our God going to unbelievable lengths to reach out to you so that you would reach out back to him. You know, if you look at the entire life of Jesus, it really was all about reaching out to people, people who were lost, loving people who, were, who felt like they were far from God so that they could come home. And then once we come home, once you and I have been found, our, our reason for living, our mission in life, the purpose of our church is to reach out to people, to love people, to serve people, so that maybe, just maybe, they might find their way and come home. That's what this church is all about. That's what we've been doing for now 30 years. And that's what Christmas is all about. That's the heart of God. And that's what I want you to see and experience tonight, the heart of God. You know, this past month, for the month of December, uh, our church has been in a series uh, called It's a Wonderful Life, but with a question mark. And the question mark was done on purpose. Because for so many people during this time of the year, you know, in fact, from you know, like Thanksgiving until New Year's, the Christmas season, it is not, not the most wonderful time of the year. In fact, just the opposite is true for a lot of people. It's a very difficult time. It's a very painful time. And so what we've been doing on Sundays is we've been looking at, you know, who is Jesus and, and what is this wonderful life that's available to us? But the title of this series, of course, comes from probably like the most beloved Christmas movie of all time, the Christmas classic, It's a Wonderful Life. Now, raise your hand if you've seen the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, right? Probably most of you. you know, for those of you who have not seen it, shame on you, you're Scrooge. No, I'm just joking. But you ought to go home and watch this movie, either tonight or tomorrow with your family. The movie was actually nominated uh, for five Oscars. And it's been recognized by the American Film Institute as one of the 100 best American films ever made and was placed number one on their list of most inspirational American films of all time. 
Let me summarize the movie for you. Uh, in the movie, George Bailey, uh, who is played by Jimmy Stewart, dreamed since childhood of just leaving his hometown getting out of small town USA, Bedford Falls, and launching out into the world on his own to make his own fortune and fame. But his dad dies and he's forced to keep the family business, a bank, a Bailey building and loan afloat until his younger brother, Harry, can come back from college and take things over, then he can take off. But Harry is called off to the war where he would become a war hero. So George's life doesn't go exactly the way he planned, and he, he becomes consumed with, you know, kind of keeping the business afloat and, you know, staying in this small town. He marries his childhood sweetheart, Mary, and, and just as they're getting ready to leave on their honeymoon, a run comes on the bank, and it takes all of their, uh, their wedding money, their honeymoon money, to keep the bank afloat. So here he is at midlife, and George kind of comes to the end of his rope. Uh, his uncle Billy loses a large amount of money on Christmas Eve, and uh, George is threatened with scandal and disgrace and maybe even prison time. So George decides to end his life because he decides that he's worth more dead than he is alive. So he prays a desperate prayer to God. He kind of throws up this uh, half-drunken prayer. How many of you can relate to that? Ever been at the end of your rope? Throw up a prayer of desperation? Well, God answers George's prayer, sends an angel. Remember the angel? Clarence Oddbody, angel second class. You know, if you, if you get an angel, you kind of want the first class angel, not the second class angel. Uh, but Clarence in the movie is trying to earn his wings and... Um, so George wishes that he had never been born, and Clarence grants his wish. So that begins an evening, a very revealing evening, as George experiences what life would have been like in his little hometown if he had never been born. You see, Harry, his younger brother, would have died early in life, and because he died as a child, hundreds of soldiers would have died. Uh, because he wouldn't have been there to save them. His Mary would have died an old maid. Zuzu, his daughter, would have never been born. Uncle Billy would have spent his life in, a, in an insane asylum. And, and Potter, the kind of the enemy in the movie, would have turned Bedford Falls into this uh, you know, den of casinos and saloons. And so all of a sudden, George realizes in the movie that his one and only life really did make a big difference. That one person really can make an impact. And he, and he understood how wonderful his life had truly been because he was allowed to see how much would have been lost if he had never been born. You see, the very thing that he was tempted to throw away, he came to realize was too valuable to lose. So here's the question that I want to ask you on Christmas Eve 2019. Now, it's not the question you might expect. Not, what if you had never been born? But instead, what if Jesus had never been born? You know, what kind of hole would be left? Would the world that we live in be any different 
if Jesus had never been born? You know, think about it. What if today, tonight, wasn't Christmas Eve? You know, can you just imagine that for a moment? What if the shepherds didn't have their sleep interrupted by angels that night? What if there was no star for the wise men to follow? What if 2,000 years ago that stable never served as a delivery room? Would the world be any different? Would your life be any different? Here's what I think. I think if Jesus had never been born, number one, there'd be no forgiveness. No forgiveness. Think about it. Luke 2, 11, today in the town of David, a what has been born? A Savior. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Listen, Jesus did not come to scare you. He came to save you. That's what it says. Now, why in the world do I need a Savior anyway? It says, a Savior has been born. So, let me cut to the chase. The Bible says, the Bible teaches that our God is a holy God. And that heaven is actually a perfect place. And because of that, only perfect people get to go there. So, you know, in other words, if God let imperfect people into heaven, it wouldn't be perfect anymore. So that means that I don't stand a chance in a million of getting to heaven on my own. And neither do you. You know, I, I lost my chance of perfection a long time ago. In fact, I lost it this morning at Publix. Okay, I did. I, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And so are you. Somebody's going to have to take care of our sin problem. So God, in His great love for you, He came up with another plan. He sent a perfect Savior so that we could get into heaven on somebody else's merit, somebody else's ticket. You see, somebody had to pay for our sin. That's what Easter is all about, by the way. That's what Jesus paid for through his life on the cross, paid for with his life. That's what he proved by rising from the dead and coming back to life. But that rescue mission, all of that, started right here on Christmas. Guys, that's the most priceless gift you can get. The gift of forgiveness. You know, you can't buy that on Amazon. Raise your hand if you wouldn't even have Christmas at your house if it were not for Amazon, right? Amazon Prime. Thank you, Jesus, for Amazon. You can get a lot, but you can't get forgiveness. And yet God offers it at Christmas, and all year long. To have your past completely forgiven, to have your slate wiped clean, to have a fresh start, to be made brand new. Man, that's the, that's the good news. Now, how does that happen? How do, I, how do I let Jesus save me? It says, He is the Savior. Well, real simple. You trust Him. Look at this next verse, Acts 10, 43. All the prophets testify about Him that everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sin through His name. Notice what it says, everyone who believes. So how do you let Christ save you? You just admit that you need it. You believe that He is who He says He is, that He is God's Son, that He is the Messiah, that He is the Lord of all, that He was crucified for your sin and for mine, but three days later He rose from the dead, He conquered sin and death in the grave, and He is alive. 
You know what our problem is? We're always trying to save ourselves. You know, we, we think, especially here in the deep south, you know, where you know, religion runs rampant, we think we can, you know, we can earn our way into heaven. We can work our way into heaven. We kind of have this thing in our mind where we go, okay, you know, like the good in my life, it's about, you know, right here. And the bad in my life, you know, it's about right there. And so, you know, look at the balance. I mean, I, I should probably make it. Now, the only problem with that line of thinking is that God doesn't grade on a curve. It's pass-fail. He says only perfect people need apply for a perfect place. And you say, yeah, but, you know, Pastor Chris, I'm a lot better than my, you know, wicked co-workers, you know, my nasty neighbor. In fact, Pastor Chris, I'm better than the person I came with tonight. I mean, look at him, right? I mean, come on. And I would say, you are. Of course you are. You know, you, you can always find people that you are better than or that you feel are worse than you. But the standard of judgment, listen to this. The standard of comparison, it's not you, it's not me, it's not the person next to you, it's not your neighbor, it's not your co-worker, it's not Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, or the Pope. It is the absolute holiness of God. And so compared to that, to that standard, we all fall short. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. I mean, think about it this way. If we did not need a Savior, God, you know, wouldn't have wasted all of this effort to send one. I mean, the very fact that, that Jesus came to earth at Christmas and he gave up all the glory of heaven, became a human, in fact, was born as a baby, grew up, had pains and temptation and pressure, died on a cross, took a beating the likes of which you and I could hardly fathom, was raised from the dead on Easter, means that you and I need whatever it is he's offering. If Jesus had never been born, there'd be no forgiveness. Number two, if Jesus had never been born, There'd be no peace. Now, we talked a little bit about this this past Sunday here at Coastal. Isaiah 9, uh, verse 6. This is the verse that we've been looking at all month long during this series. Let me read it for you one more time. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In fact, in Luke chapter 2, it says this. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, what? Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, again, I really believe that peace is a word that our world uses a lot, but doesn't have the slightest idea what it really is. You know, for many people today, peace means drinking enough until I'm numb and I no longer feel any pain. For other people, it means hopping from relationship to relationship to relationship, hoping that somebody will fill the void in my life. For other people, it means just staying busy and busy and busy all the time so that at night, I'll just collapse in the bed. 
and go asleep, fall asleep because I don't want to have to think. Because anytime I'm quiet enough, there's still enough to think. Those haunting thoughts and fears come caving in, and I don't like it. For other people, peace means working and working and working so that I can afford the trappings of success, so that I can prove to the world, hey, look everybody, I'm somebody. But deep down inside, you think to yourself, I don't really feel like somebody. For other people, uh, peace is simply sitting in a lotus position, contemplating the lint in your navel. Oh, oh. You know what? None of those things are peace. Let me tell you what real peace is. Real peace is a person. It's having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, God's Son, the Prince of Peace, and becoming friends with God. Real peace is knowing that no matter what I do, God is never going to stop loving me. Real peace is knowing that no matter what happens, God will never leave me or forsake me. Real peace means that no matter what happens to me in 2020, I know that God is going to give me the strength to handle it. Real peace is living by God's word day by day so that I can avoid a lot of the needless hang-ups and hurts and habits that mess up so many people's lives today. That's peace. And it's only found in a personal relationship with Jesus. Number three, if Jesus had never been born, there'd be no eternal life. Now, again, I'm going to try to shorten this uh, very quickly. Let me give you some, uh, some facts of life, okay? Fact number one, we're all going to die someday. Now, that might not be a very pleasant thought, maybe not, you know, on Christmas Eve, but the fact is, we're all going to die, every one of us. Maybe tomorrow, this year, next year, 10 years from now, we don't know. Number two, fact number two, you are going to spend far, far more of your life on that side of death than you will on this side. You see, we all get maybe, maybe 60, 70, 80, maybe 90 plus years. But on that side of death, you're going to spend the rest of eternity. Now listen to me. Only a fool would go through all of life totally unprepared for something that we all know is coming, that is inevitable. Listen, that doesn't make sense to know that one day you're going to die and you're not prepared for it. In fact, here's what I believe. I believe you're not really ready to live until you're ready to die. Now, fortunately, the good news is that that's what Christmas is all about, too. That's why God sent His one and only Son, Jesus. It's the most famous verse in the Bible. You may have never been to church before, but you've heard this one, right? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. You could say, for God so loved you that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. God says, I'll take care of your past, your past regret, your, your present problems, and your future fears. That's salvation. 
That's eternal life. That is the wonderful life. And it is available to you and every person, every day, this time of the year and all year long, if you'll accept it. Again, it's a gift you're, you're not going to find anywhere else. You're not going to find it tomorrow underneath a Christmas tree. You can only find it in the man on the cross. But do you know what our problem is? Our problem is we don't really know what it is that we're looking for in life. I mean, we go through life and we think that we're, well, you know, we're, we're looking for happiness, we're looking for love, we're looking for success and satisfaction, meaning, purpose, all those things. We think we're looking for all that other stuff, but actually, you know what it is we're really looking for in life? It's God. It's a personal relationship with God. That's what you're searching for. That's what's missing. You see, that is actually what is behind all those other things. It's God. And he has placed in your heart a God-shaped hole that nothing or no one else is ever going to be able to fill. And here's the good news. This whole time, your whole life, while you've been searching and looking for all these other things, when you've actually been searching and looking for God, guess what? He has been looking for you. He's been searching for you. That's the miracle of Christmas. That's why Jesus was sent at Christmas. He was on a rescue mission. You know, we get, so, so many people get so hung up on this. You know, Jesus is really, Jesus is the reason for the season. Here's what I believe. You know what? Theologically, I don't think that's true. Jesus is not the reason for the season. You ready for this? You are. You are. He came for you. That's what Christmas was all about. He was on a rescue mission. You. Now, we all came here tonight for a lot of different reasons. Some of you came here tonight because it's the thing to do at Christmas. Some of you came out of habit or tradition. Nothing wrong with any of that. Some of you came because you want to sing Christmas songs. Some of you came because you were invited by a friend, and that's awesome. But I want to say this to you. Regardless of why you think you're here, you're not here by accident. Even before you were born, even a thousand years ago, God knew that you would be on this place on December the 24th, 2019. And I think he brought you here so that maybe he could get your attention for about an hour at the end of the year to say something like this to you. You matter to me. I know everything there is to know about you. The good, the bad, and even the ugly. I made you for a purpose. I have a plan for your life. I love you. And I want you to know me so badly that I sent my son Jesus to the earth 2,000 years ago to show you what I'm like, to be the sacrifice for your sin, and to give you, if you'll accept it, forgiveness, peace, and eternal life. That, my friends, is the wonderful life. And that's what you would miss out on if Jesus had never been born. Now again, what I'm talking about tonight, it is not religion. I'm talking about a personal relationship with God through his one and only son, Jesus. I don't care what your church background is, I really don't. Maybe you don't have a religious background. To be honest with you, it really doesn't matter. What matters though is this. Have you at some point established a personal relationship of faith 
with Jesus. Because all those things I talked about tonight, forgiveness, peace, eternal life, they're all wrapped up in Him. Let me ask you a question. Could you imagine ever being given a gift tomorrow on Christmas and never unwrapping it? I mean, that'd be crazy, right? I mean, think about it. Let's say you gave me a, a Christmas present. And you really thought about Pastor Chris. You, you know, he went to great personal expense and effort and thought and getting just the perfect gift for me. And you thought about me while you wrapped it and you gave it to me and I took it home. And like sometime later this year, let's say over the summer or in the fall, you come over to my house and we're there in the living room and you look up and you see the present that you gave me still wrapped up. And you look at it, and you're like, Pastor Chris, isn't that the gift that I gave you at Christmas? I'm like, yeah, it sure is. Well, like, why, why didn't you ever unwrap it? I just love the wrapping paper. It's so pretty. I mean, look at it. It's beautiful. It matches the decor of our home. You're like, Pastor Chris, like, come on, like, you know, that's kind of stupid, isn't it? Kind of crazy. I really went to a lot of effort. You know, I really thought about you. There's something inside there. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get around to it one of these days. I'll open it. Now, as silly or crazy or as nutty as you think that might be, yet many of you go Christmas after Christmas after Christmas. And you have celebrated every Christmas as many years as you've been alive. And you know the songs, and you know the story, you know what it's all about, but guess what? You've never personally unwrapped the gift. You're still just enamored with all the packaging. And so I'll ask you, what gives? I mean, you tell me, what's the logic behind that? When God is saying, I want to give you forgiveness and peace and eternal life. And you've never unwrapped it. You're never going to get a greater gift than that. So as we close tonight, I want to encourage you to pray what we might call the seeker's prayer. That just like the wise men, you will say, I'm going to seek Christ. I'm going to follow Him. Because the Bible actually teaches that if you will seek Him with all your heart, you'll find Him. What better time than Christmas to open up the greatest gift you've ever been given and come home. You can do that tonight. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? If you're ready to come home to God, would you simply pray a prayer like this tonight? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing me here tonight. I knew something was missing from my life. I just didn't realize it was you. Thank you for seeking after me when I ignored you. 
when I kept chasing after so many other things to fill that hole in my soul. Father, tonight I realize what I've been missing all along is you. Tonight, I put my trust in Jesus. God, I believe. I do. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that you sent him to this earth on a rescue mission for me. I believe that he grew up and became a man. I believe that he went to a cross to pay for my sin. And as much as I know how, as much as I understand, I also believe that he rose from the dead and he is alive. And I put my faith and my trust in him and him alone. And now, God, for the rest of my life, for the rest of my life here on this earth, I just simply want to follow Jesus. I want to become more and more like you see me today, forgiven, brand new, perfect because of Jesus. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.